This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Oli Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. So this is second part with uh, Mr. Jakob Jungel. And in first part, we were talking about experiences working as a lecturer in University of Applied Sciences and experiences building a fitness testing lab for the institute and using it for for teaching and different projects. And this second part, we are going to discuss about working in a sports institute in Finland. So welcome, Jakob, for this second part. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's, it's fun to be on, on this podcast. Yeah, so so you worked a couple of years in a University of Applied Sciences and then you moved to Solvalla Sport Institute. Could you could you tell a little bit more about this? I got the job at Solvalla, which is in southern Finland, in, in Espo, in 2020, just before uh, the corona crisis uh, came about. Uh, so life looked a lot different in many aspects back then. But but yeah, uh, it was a nice... nice uh, change uh, because Arcada, as, as we, we've discussed, is an applied science, uh, University of Applied Science, um, and Solvalla uh, uh, is an upper secondary school. school. So my, my students were from 16 to around 20, uh, with some exceptions, with some, some older uh, students. So that, that's the biggest, the biggest difference. And uh, what's nice about I have to uh, tell something about Solvalla, it's, it's in this beautiful Beautiful surrounding, surrounded by by forest in Finland, uh, with kilometers of, of forest forest around, and uh, one ski center nearby, and and all, all the nice sports facilities and and uh, everything for outdoor activities that you might need. So that 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 was a real real nice uh, experience to just uh, change from the city for, because of Kalara is in Helsinki, in in the capital of, of Finland, and and Suomalla, uh just outside. So it was a nice change. Uh, even though I, I work with the with the same things, uh, but in very different surroundings. Yeah, and uh, I I also worked as a as a in a sport institute in Pajulahti for for a couple of years, and and yeah, I think it's it's good to know if anyone outside from Finland is applying for jobs in these that usually the sport institutes are in middle of forest, usually by the lake. And you have all the facilities there. They are usually very beautiful, beautiful places and and nice, nice peaceful places. So it's it's good good place to place to work from that that sense. Could you could you tell a little bit about Solvalla? How how is the basic function? How much is athletes? How much much is it education? And how much is it like recreational people recreational sports? Uh, well, well, yeah. Um, so uh, basically, th- there were t- two different, or I- there is two different uh, areas. So we have this, this school the teaching, upper secondary school, and then we have uh, uh, just the normal uh, client client uh, base that we we work with, and that's basically a different team, even though we we cooperate. And uh, so, so the students uh, are basically 
those who or, or students are are generally very interested in uh, in, in sports, and that's why they decided to to come to Suomalla. You asked about basically how, how many, or if I understood correctly, that how many athletes there are. Uh, I think there are only a few that might be on a academic like. Uh, academy like level and then mostly are just hobby hobby players or at, at least and at least and then there are also a few that actually don't do that much much sports uh, but are just interested in Suolvalla or, or, or uh, nature or, or, or so forth but uh, one comment that I could say actually when when we discussed uh, what's the teaching or, or the courses like in Arcada and I said it's quite close to university uh, uh, then again, Suolvalla is very practical. Of course, the same kind of subjects are taught there, but on a much lower level and with a high practical emphasis. So, for instance, if, if in Arcada I taught about endurance, it was several hours or lessons of uh, of theory and uh, I understood I, I, I explained how uh, how you train basically on a theoretical level but when we do it in Suolvalla we go out we run we have a heart rate monitor we uh, try to understand how how do I have to run to be on a low level low intensity level and, and what does it mean for my heart rate if, if it's uh, high intensity and so forth so very practical yeah, and and you said that the students are usually fifteen to twenty years old, and and quite practical level. How how have you found the found the teaching? You said that it's different. What what kind of experiences you have had? Well, yeah, uh, I mean, in general, uh, really nice. Uh, but actually, for the, when I came to Suolvall, it was the first time that I felt this uh, from the students' point of view. We against the teachers. I mean. You were definitely you were the teacher, and you belonged to the teacher, the staff, staff, and 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 students were were their own group. Even though I mean the cooperation is is nice and so forth, but they're younger, understandable. A lot is going on in their life. Uh, mostly, don't, most of them don't know what they want want, and uh, you can see it. It's, it's reflected in how they behave. Um, and so forth. I, I I'm not gonna deep deep dive in in that part, but the, the point is that um, in Arcada, most of the students they were there because they knew that this is their thing. Uh, when in Suolvalla, it's more open, and it, it might vary from uh, year to year, or some some cases it feels from day to day also. But basically, the motivational level and 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 the kind of persons that seek themselves to to Suolvalla compared to Arcada differs. I, I think I had similar uh, experiences when I was teaching in, in Pajulahti and yeah my, my students were also about the same age 15 to 20 and then I had the, the adult group which was maybe from 25 to 50 years old so yeah it was a little bit easier to teach the, the older group and I, I think there was yeah it's it is it is challenging, especially in the beginning. It's I think it was it was very challenging. The the students are quite random. The groups were quite quite big, and yeah, they they like to do sports. They don't like to sit down for hour and a half. So so yeah, yeah. What kind of tips you would give for teaching when when you are teaching? This this age group and very very active people. How do you how do you manage it? Well, yeah. Well, one 
very practical uh, example is that we we because of course we we had had this problem to keep the motivator for one and a half hour. But when we start the lesson, we uh, ask them how many minutes are we focused and how many minutes uh, do we need uh, rest. And then I say that I need two. I, I need uh, I need one and a half hour of active active uh, um, listening. So then then we might divide to into 25 minutes of, of active listening. No one is allowed to look at their phone or, or talk with their friends. And then we have 15 or 10 minutes break. But then again, I have to ha- have my one and a half active, uh, active uh, listening minutes. So it might be a longer lesson. Of course, everyone hasn't this opportunity to uh, bend, bend out the the lesson, but we, we have like three hours, uh, three hours slots uh, each day in, in the uh, morning and, and then the afternoon. So we're able to basically move move around that. So, but but decide how much focus do you need, and then it's full focus. You don't allow any any like uh, uh, messy behavior or, or, or any behavior. You don't allow anyone to to discuss with anyone or look at their phone. And and then when it's break, you you're, you're also as a teacher. Uh, it's your your um, responsibility to end, even though you're almost in the middle of, a, of the sentence, and and it's kind of fun for them because they're re- really strict about uh, you uh, finishing in time. But then again, they they feel more. I feel that they they are more uh, acceptable to to the fact that they they uh, have their break and and then they come back with the best focus that they have. And and I I think it it's also challenging. You have done a university degree. I have done the same, and and we know quite a bit of of for example endurance training. But then then you have students who who don't know much. They don't know much about physiology. So I think it's important to try to get to same level to adapt the teaching, adapt how much you can teach. What what was your experience? How 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 do you adapt kind of on on the level that it's it's suitable for for the student group who doesn't have a background of in physiology, for example? Well, it was in the big beginning more of trial and error. <laughs> uh, I, I had an idea that where at, at, at what at what level did I teach on Arcada, and, and I tried to step down. But uh, we've actually used uh, Google Sites as uh, a like teaching platform and. It's nice because it almost looks like uh, a website, like a normal website. So I like to add uh, digital and visual elements, make it easy and, and easily accessible. So so I have a lot of uh, uh, videos that I uh, recorded myself and, and I edit pictures of me telling about endurance training and strength training. And, and uh, I, I really focus on this platform because usually it's something that they can relate to because they are on their phone. And, and so it's, it's important to make these platforms uh, accessible uh, like on, 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 on the phone as well. Uh, but um, then, then in class, uh, usually... It, well, actually, it's hard to say how, how I scale it down. It, it, it's been more like just through a dialogue with the, the uh, students. So uh, from the first year, when I got some feedback, I realized that what was too much and what, what uh, worked. So I, I uh, used that when I planned the course for the next year. But uh, I basically learned that less is more. 
and, and talk more about the foundations. And, and I think you as a teacher, you have to have a good understanding what the foundations are. And, and then again, uh, like among all the sports institutes in Finland, there are some agreements on what we should focus on. So, of course, that helps me focus on, on, on certain things. And, and uh, what I've actually used, because there are these students that like this foundation is almost too much. And then there are these students that find that you don't get enough out of the foundation. So I usually have like this must-know info and uh, then some nice-to-know info. And, and must-know info are for those who have struggled to like, just keep up the pace and the nice-to-know info for those who need more challenge. And I, I tell them, this you have to know. And then perhaps on my, my platform, I have more info. This is so nice to know. And, and usually at, at my classes, when I teach, then I focus on the must know. Uh, I might say, say something about some nice to know things about physiology and, tra and training, uh, dependent on, on how the, the discussion goes. But uh, I usually have the, the nice to know facts. It's available, but I'm not going to uh, basically mess, mess their minds and their concentration up by telling too much that might get someone off track. For most sedentary behavior and physical activity researchers, collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project, especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data. Introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibian Sense Motion is a cutting edge next generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant, and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw 3-axis accelerometer data. Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com. That is S-E-N-S.fibian.com. Fibian, created by researchers for researchers. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good, good tip. And how, how do you feel about the fact that sometimes when you are just teaching the must-know things, then they might get the impression that they know everything about this and they might be very overconfident to say the least uh in so how do you how do you give them the must know facts and confidence but also understanding that they know very little uh, as you said that that's that that's a thing <laughs> really i mean and and i'd say it usually the same persons uh, feel that they know know everything but uh I think when I get that feeling, I try to hand them over, hand, hand some material over from the uh, nice to know part. And usually they, they're not that 
like they, they, they don't really want to accept that uh, and, and, and study more about it. So it's actually hard to say what, what, what I do, but, but, but it, you, you can get, get, get the sense what, what the situation is from, from the discussion with them and in the class. So, so basically, when, when, some, when I get the feeling that, hey, they think they know everything, then I try to uh, challenge them, ask them things. And, and usually that's when you see what the case is. Yeah, I, I think that's a very challenging thing in, in teaching, in science communication, that how do you simplify it enough that people get the message? For example, we have seen now with, with the pandemic that sometimes it's simplified too much and it's actually super, super complex thing that even the virologists are not understanding. So I think that's a really challenge how to how to kind of balance and that's also part of the teaching, especially for this kind of practical jobs that they, they need to be confident enough to do the work, but they should also understand that it's it's complicated and the knowledge is is increasing all the time yeah yeah and actually regarding misinformation uh, i i like actually one of my subjects that i like to talk about is is basically pro science and and cherry picking so i i like to have these myth busters and and uh, then i present like common common statements about fitness and nutrition and and then i open them and, and uh, try to make them realize how, how things are. And th- these are quite fundamental things that everyone heard about, basically about carbohydrates and the high, uh, heat training and, and, and so forth, P- pretty basic. And, and I try to uh, make them understand where to find, find a, a reliable information. And uh, it's something we discuss a lot. And uh, even though we talk about it a lot, uh, you often see that this the... the uh, sources that they use for um, to support their statements in in some um, documents that they write are a pretty poor quality. So it, it's something that you really have to uh, talk about quite often to to get it get them to understand it how important it is. Hmm. And if listeners are interested about teaching about misinformation, I made a recording with the person whose name is escaping me now, but the title is uh, Why Students Should Be Teached to Create Misinformation. So her method was that they actually create misinformation so students learn how easy it is to make and then they can be critical. It was it was really good, good points and really interesting episode. Yeah, so we've been talking about the teaching experience in the sport institute. What what other things you do in the in the sport institute? Uh, well, actually, I, I've been mostly both teaching, but uh, then we have uh, smaller like uh, testing activity as well, uh, not as high level equipment as as in Arcara, but uh, some some uh, field tests and uh, a few uh, cycle ergometer tests has been uh, i've done a few actually and and we have we have an in-body in-body uh device as well so use that and uh in fact also a few for for first bit uh devices as well but but actually i don't do that much else than teaching uh, at Svalvalla because we, we have a lack of resources uh, that is teachers so i have been forced to or i've had the chance to dig deep into teaching 
yeah so a lot of a lot of teaching and and now you have also started just a few months ago working at Hinsa performance could you could you tell a little bit about the company and how did you end up starting also there yeah well uh Hinsa performance is company uh, that dr Hinsa started i don't know how, how many years ago and uh, unfortunately he he's not with us anymore but the company lives on and uh what Hinsa, Hinsa does is uh provide holistic coaching to uh, both uh, companies and uh, to athletes. And uh, what I do is I, I, I'm working uh, at the moment with persons in, in the business world uh, and uh, trying to help them improve health in different aspects. So, so the holistic point of view is not just focusing on one area, for instance, physical activity or nutrition, but also look at the mental side and, and the core that is spoken of quite well much. That's just do you understand yourself and know, know your own, own goals. So uh, it has been really interesting to uh, also work with, with other aspects than just your core competence, which is, is the physical activity. Uh, of course, that's something that I can provide most help in, but I'm also challenged to help the person with areas that aren't my expertise. And and Hinsa Performance, I think you have offices in the UK, Switzerland, Finland. Are you yeah. are you mainly are you mainly working with, with in Finland or with the international customers? Uh, in Finland at the moment, yeah. 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 And how 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 much do you work there? How do you how do you combine? How do you find time to work and in, in two jobs at the same time? Yeah, well Actually, at, at the moment, I've, uh, I'm going to work at Solvala 40% of a full working week and 60% at Hintz. So actually moving moving back towards uh, working with clients. And, and uh, what's nice about Hintz is I have a lot of use of my pedagogic skills. So I feel that in some way I still can teach, but in a very different way. So, so sixty percent at Hinsa. How do you how do you feel? What what's your expectations? Where do you where do you want to want to go from from here? Uh, I, I wanna wanna develop as as a coach and uh, learn learn new ways and uh, to 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 coach and and uh, help help persons to improve their their health and uh, and, and basically see see how I can step up, step up here as as I did in Arcade. I, I stepped up and and see. How can I step up uh, in, in basically as a coach? Because my coaching experience from before, actually, I've been an entrepreneur uh, many years, and, and before I was in Arcade, and actually a few years also, I did, did two jobs there. But uh, then I did more fitness testing and strength and conditioning, uh, and uh, now I'm moving more towards this holistic coaching approach. So not just this getting person physically in shape, but getting them to to just feel better in in many aspects so so doing holistic coaching do you do you use any any technology in your coaching how is the how is the process of this kind of this kind of coaching the ones that i've been in uh, basically we use a lot of uh, surveys uh, to get an idea of, of how the person is, is feeling uh, quite like or they, they quite well cover different areas of, of, of health uh, then we use first bit uh, and then the clients might have some devices of them their own own that we can use so it, it's a lot of actually a lot of my clients at the moment uh, is going to be uh, 
on basically online. I'm not going to see everyone physically. So I'm using tools tools that I can I can uh, assign them uh, without meeting them uh, personally. But then I will also have clients that I'm going to work more basically in a classic classic way, face to face and in a gym. And and you said it's holistic coaching. Have you you haven't worked there for long? Have you already seen that certain aspect of their of their behavior needs more more uh, coaching than than others? Perhaps I'm I'm not gonna comment on my own clients that much because there there's a few. But what I've learned because I've, I've discussed with other coaches, uh, I have a sense that the core, so the basically your own identity is the thing that people don't really focus on. I mean, if you ask someone, do you know who you are and do you know what you want? People stop because they haven't really thought about it. Yes, they have, but they haven't really like digged into it. And uh, the point with knowing the core is that without having it basically taught true, it's it's hard to have the other aspects of, of health like in, in a good balance you might have it, it, it quite quite well in some aspects perfect and, and, and some some not that good but without the core uh, basically in, in shape it, it's hard to ha- have the outer layer uh, uh, in, in, in a good condition yeah that that makes sense maybe maybe we do another episode after you've been coaching for a, for a year or something I think it will be very interesting to hear hear the experiences uh, i think our time starts to be up do you have anything you would like to add into this discussion well uh but sort of one thing uh when when you asked or you, you comment on that if anyone is is new new to teaching and, and starting and uh when i started in arcada there was this one uh, like phenomenon that uh worried me back then and actually there's a name for it I, I learned later i think it's called the imposter syndrome and it's not just in teaching it might be in anywhere when you where you work but i think the main idea about the imposter syndrome is that at any given moment everyone around you will realize that you don't know anything and, and uh, basically you're worthless and, and and that's what you think so but um uh, and, and when i started that i from time to time i had this feeling and and uh Luckily, it, it didn't grow bigger. Grow bigger, it, it actually uh, basically it, it, it um, got smaller, and, and uh, I almost got away with it. But I think it's it's very common that you feel that you're incompetent, uh, when, especially when you teach things that aren't your core competence. But but here's just believe in yourself, prepare, be structured, and you don't have to you don't have to focus on that. You you will you will succeed. Those are great words to wrap up this this part too thank you jacob for taking the time thank you very much thanks for joining us this week on physical activity researcher podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. 
Thank you all for your support and have a great day.